Hi, welcome to Human Touch, a podcast that celebrates human conversation, the way we experience each other. Today, again, we'll try to jumpstart great everyday conversation. My name is Matikos, and I'm your host. So let's go. Ronnie, good friend and man of many talents, and his stories could fill many episodes, and we're actually hoping that Ronnie will come back. We'll see. We'll see how this one comes out. But today, we are here to tell stories about telling stories. Sounds like a plan. It's an <laughs> honor and a pleasure to be here. Please tell us about storytelling. What is storytelling? It sounds storytelling. Like, yeah, of course. Yeah, I know what the storytelling is. You tell a story. But obviously, there is so much more there. Well, see, in a nutshell, stories are always an exciting part of childhood. And my mission, if you can call it a mission, is to see how that, how that can be developed and how that fits in in later life as well. My belief is that any person who gives over something, whether it's a manager of a team, whether it's a public speaker, whether you're an academic, or even not, even if you're sitting there with one other person and having conversation, I believe that using stories or storytelling is the best way to give over information, to create deep connection, and overall to communicate and create dialogue. Area of a storytelling is not, not reinventing the wheel, but it's shining the light, the f getting a, a focus in on the amazing tool of a storytelling and that it should be used more and that it can help us in... Yeah, 100%. I think um, most of us, or all of us, definitely use storytelling in our daily lives. If you go anywhere and you speak to anyone, it's always present. But in order to use it consciously, as you say, it's not reinventing the wheel. But there are always tips and ideas that we can remember to bring it in and make our communications better, more useful, more efficient, and more exciting. Because that's what storytelling can really bring. Okay, so we know this storytelling is great, it can bring, we should use it more consciously and it will it will make our interactions more exciting vibrant how do you get people to tell more stories to yeah. tell to tell more stories let me explain you mm. said that the, the stories are important they make the relationships better what is the storytelling coach is that what, what we can call you storytelling coach yeah definitely. definitely so what is the role of a storytelling coach what is the role of a the movement that you're involved in, how are you getting people to rediscover the importance of telling stories? So I can give you maybe a small insight into workshops that I do. The first hour generally consists of three things. I come in and if the participants don't know me, I act like a terrible person for two minutes. I'm looking at my phone, I'm dressed lazily, selfishly. I can sometimes insult people and generally don't look very interested in what I'm doing. And then I'll leave the room and I'll come in a minute later, slam the door behind me, not in a violent way, but in a confident way, walk up, introduce myself with a big smile, say good afternoon, everyone. It's a wonderful and happy to be here. And I'm excited to tell you about the power of storytelling. And then I stop and I say to them, what happened just now in the past five minutes? 
And if I did my job well, straight away people's hands will be put up and say, wow, this was a big difference what you did before and what you did now. And we'll talk about body language, we'll talk about eye contact, we'll talk about confidence, about smiling, about the way you speak. And not to get into that too much now, but the point for me from that exercise is that everything we do in life, and specifically stories, it's about how we tell them. That's message number one for my first hour, introduction to storytelling. Everything is about how you tell it. Message number two and exercise number two, I ask everyone to imagine a letter, say the letter K. So if I ask you, Mati, if I say, imagine the letter K, how do you see it? I see it uh, like the K on a computer screen. Okay. What kind of color is it? It's black and it's capital. Hmm. So you see, when I give you the only hint I give you, I said, imagine a letter K. And you see a black capital K on a computer screen. I guarantee you, if you ask 40 people in a circle, in a workshop, every single one of them comes up with something different. Wow. And all that is, is from one hint, the letter K. And that is message number two. Even as a teacher, as a teller, as a public speaker, you're telling a story, you're telling anything. But everyone listening to you hears it and sees it in a different way. And that's beautiful because, and we'll get into this maybe more later, Anything you tell, even if you're very concerned and you're worried about what message I'm giving over, at the end of the day, people will take away what they want to. You can only guide someone. You can never force information and ideas onto them. And I think that's super relevant to storytelling, if we can go on a bit of a tangent. Why are movies so popular? Why are TV series so popular? Why are books so popular? Because for thousands of years, we as humanity, we've used different tools to give other messages. And we've found that one of the most useful ones is telling a story. You hear a story, and then through that story, you get the message of what the characters are doing. But that's a small tangent. So first message was, it's about how you tell it. Second message, everyone hears and sees something different. So you have responsibility, but don't take it all upon yourself. And message number three, and this is just to introduce storytelling, is I get everyone to tell the story of their name to their neighbor. And why do I do that? It's a very simple thing. Everyone has a name, unless you're a secret agent, in which case your name X is a story within itself. But many times, especially when I speak to young people, I tell them, tell me a story, something about you. They say, ah, oh, I'm, I'm boring. I just, I just go to school or I just have this job. I don't have any stories. But that's not true. Because everyone, and I mean this with utmost sincerity, everyone has stories. Many stories, exciting stories. And a small and easy way and a simple way to illustrate that is if you get everyone to talk about their name for two minutes. And that's point number three. We all have stories. And we all have exciting things and important things to share. Let me go back to for a second to what you said, because you when you said about the humanity. Whenever I hear humanity, this is the Human Touch podcast. Uh, uh, raise my interest. You said that for thousands of years, for millennia, we were all about telling stories. What is it now? What is it about the world today that that we need coaches for telling stories? Why people today are not into stories? Why is it that you think is uh, what well, we just exchange information? We we feel we don't have time. What is it? I think you hit the nail on the head right there. Our communications nowadays. Life is so quick and paced. We have conversations with people. We're in dialogue with people. We do that to exchange information. 
you send an email or you find something out or you type something in Google or you ask Alexa. You're all doing these things in order to get information and fast. People don't want to waste time in their own eyes, listen to a story and then find out a message from that. They want the message straight away. They want to hear one line. But I feel that that's missing. In our society, we're missing what they had even a hundred years ago, where you can relax and allow the message of a story to seep into you. And it's not a blunt message. It filters through in your head and allows us to take time to think through. And I believe that those messages are the ones which are most profound because you've taken your time to think them through. So how, how can we be better storytellers? There's a, a very possibly famous person to some of you, an important person in this world, and she's not a storytelling coach. Her name is Brene Brown. And her idea of vulnerability and of shared vulnerability is something that I take into my coaching and teaching. If you're telling someone something, whether it's a colleague, a friend, a family member, or an audience of 5,000 people, you have to truly extend yourself into that. You can't be closed off and just throw messages at them, or throw stories for that matter. You have to extend yourself and be vulnerable in your own way. But actors tell great stories and they, they, they hide behind the mask, costume, whatever it is, and they, they're not vulnerable. They, they just tell stories and we love stories, as you said. I mean, movies, TV, whatever it is, we don't see them in a true light. That's true. And I think maybe that's the difference between actors and storytellers and then us. But when I think of using storytelling in regular life, we don't want someone who's trained for many years to give over something which is not real in a way which looks real. We're talking about actual communication. And therefore the point is being vulnerable. I want to give you an, an example, something to think about. We're standing there on one side of a river. You're on one side, I'm on the other side. And there's this raging river in between. Okay, But it's not so wide, this river. But if I bend down and reach over to the other side... I won't be able to reach the other side. I'll fall into the river and be thrown away. And if you reach out and you lean over, the same thing will happen. But if we both reach out at the same time and fall at the same time, then our hands can join together, form this bridge in the middle. But that's dependent on the fact that we both fall at the same time. And when you're with an audience, again, whether it's a one-to-one -one or a family or a colleague or even an audience of thousands of people, if you extend yourself, you extend that vulnerability, then you can get the audience to extend it back. And that's the responsibility of telling. So you say in order to be a better storyteller, we have to be able to, to share ourselves. A story in order to, be, to reach the other person has to come from within and has to carry a part of us, a part of true us. This is the only way those hands can join across the river. Yeah? I believe so. And I think this comes into even public speaking. If you're presenting your scientific paper, you're an academic, you have to do the same thing. And it's very simple to ask, but how does that make sense? I'm giving over something scientific. I'm not giving over something about me. But that's where it comes in. If you bring, truly bring yourself, even if it's not information, personal information, you can still bring your spirit and be vulnerable in yourself and open in your communication to people. 
And audiences feed off that. They do. If they can see that you're making an effort to bring things to them, then they will make an effort to bring themselves to you and you'll form this beautiful bridge of connection which allows things to be shared. And storytelling is something that can really, really do that. First, we said you need to be able to share yourself. Your true you have to be part, has to be part of the story. The second is that you have to be interested in the listener. point of telling a story is that you want to make the communication. You want to touch the other person. You want to make that interactions. Correct. You have to reach out to them. I want to ask you another question. If you're standing there and someone's speaking to you, there are different forms of body language. You can either lean into them a little bit, not too much, and that shows to people that you're listening, you're interested in them. Or you can stand straight, which is what I call the neutral position, and then they have to do a bit of work or not so much, depending on who you are. And finally, you can lean back and put your head up to the sky. Is that a way of advancing communication? No. Very simply, if you lean in a little bit to someone, you're showing you're interested. If you stand straight, neutral. If you're leaning back, you're against. Same thing with an audience. If you lean into an audience, and I'm not talking about actually crouching physically on top of them. This is a mental state. If you feel that you're going into the audience, you're interested in them, so much easier for them to do the same and mirror it back to you and then form this communication that you have. Well, as far as public speaking, that, uh, that is uh, very tricky. You, you feed off the people that are listening, and sometimes it's just like, you know, you try one joke, a second joke, but, you know, sometimes the audience just does not respond, and it's so, so much harder to speak because whether it's a one-to-one, as you said, or, or one-to-many, it's still really a conversation, even though the one person is speaking, it's a mutual interaction. Yeah, 100%, even if the other person or the audience is not responding at all. This is where storytelling comes into its own. The reason why storytelling is a thing and it's not just improvisation is that it allows you to fall back on something. If you've stood there at home or in your office and you've practiced the story that you're going to tell, even if the audience is not feeding off you in the way that you want, even if they're not responding, you can fall back on this so-called prepared story, which is wonderful and truly helps. Which leads us maybe to another point. I mentioned before that we're not actors. Storytellers should not be actors, you should be real. But another thing that I've come across in my years of coaching people, again, especially young people, is that people are scared to bring their vulnerabilities out there. They're scared to stand up in front of people and say, this is who I am. People are scared to sit in front of a psychologist and tell them their innermost fears. But if you give them a stage and you give them a platform and you say, you are Mati, a storyteller, then suddenly they'll come up with the most vulnerable and most amazing and most emotional stories. And it will allow them to even be healed. I have so many examples in my head of people who came to workshops that we, I was part of, that I ran. And they didn't want to share things on a one-to-one -one basis or in a group circle. But if you gave them a stage and you said, hey, you're a storyteller, you can share your story with people, then they will do that. And why is that? It's because... They have something to hide behind in a small way. Yes, they're being vulnerable. And yes, they're bringing themselves to the stage. But they're also hiding behind that gate of, hey, I'm a storyteller. I'm not Ronnie standing there bearing my innermost soul to the audience. I'm telling stories. I'm an actor. I'm a performer. And I'm bringing myself to it, but maybe not fully. And it allows me to share important messages behind the little cloak of a story. So to sweeten the pill, maybe, you could say. 
So it's very cool. You say story on the one hand is a vehicle to share your true self. But on the other hand, it's also a cloak. You share your true self, but you conceal yourself also. Through the story, you're able to share your very true inner message while covering it a little bit up. Correct. Think of it like as a pressure cooker. I've done quite a bit of work with young people from poor backgrounds and disadvantaged backgrounds. Using storytelling to help them find jobs, to be confident in job interviews and tell the story of their life in a correct way. And these are young people who can sometimes be quite angry. Angry with the world, angry with other people, with their families, with their societies, with their communities. Like a pressure cooker. And in a pressure cooker, you have a lot of pressure building up, and at one point it boils over. And when that point happens, everything comes out, right? Simple. Pressure leaves. There's no more pressure inside. But it's an explosion. There's things everywhere. On the other hand, if you have a hole in the top of the pot and it allows the pressure to leave slowly, steadily, in a controlled fashion, then there's also no pressure inside. It's a better situation. And that's with these young people too, and with myself, of course, if I know that I can share things in a controlled and orderly fashion as a storyteller or as a person, then it doesn't all need to come out one day in an explosion. And that's where storytelling comes in. If you've practiced it, if you're an expert in it, if you know how to use stories, then you can share the messages that you want to share in a controlled fashion and in a powerful fashion and not wait for it one day to explode. And that's what we use storytelling for as a vehicle as a tool. So story is a vehicle and it allows us to express and we all have a need to express. Our emotional and mental health needs us to express the feelings that they are kept inside. And a story, you say, is a perfect natural way for a human being to bring those things to, to the world. 100%. It allows us to share in a controlled way sometimes not overshare, but be vulnerable at the same time. And it's beautiful. It really is. But now we know a little bit. We've, uh, you taught us a little bit how to be a better storyteller. Now, how can we be a better listener? Because for story to be told, you need a listener. And just like we tell stories, we also we be, have to learn to receive them from other people. When it comes to storytelling, when it comes to being a teller and an audience, we spoke before about the responsibility of telling. On the flip side of that, as you say, there's the responsibility of listening. And that comes in the same fashion. If you're an audience and you're sitting back and you're waiting for the information to come to you, whether physically or metaphorically, then you're not a good listener because the teller has to come very much towards you. And if you're sitting neutrally, again, metaphorically or actually speaking, you're okay. But if you lean in again in a way which is, you're there, you want to come forward and listen to what's happening. That is something which I think is very powerful. And if you have a listener who's leaning in and a teller who's leaning in, then you can create this, this bond. And when you're standing there on stage as a teller now, one of the things they teach you, and this is maybe a bit more in uh, uh, public speaking coaching, is that you're supposed to try and make eye contact with as many people as you possibly can. And why is that? You want to give over the impression, and it's not only the impression, it's the actual feeling, that even if you're in an audience of 5,000 people, 
you as the speaker, you're making a personal connection with some people in the audience. And the rest of the audience sees that. They see that you're stopping and you're looking at people in the eyes and you're trying to create this bridge of connection. As an audience, you can do the same thing. Instead of looking around and seeing the hall, seeing the room, look at the person who's speaking to you. I guarantee that you'll get more out of it. I hear you talking about listening. But I think story listening is even uh, maybe a bigger, not art, but a challenge. Because uh, the ever-shrinking attention span that we that we have, yeah, and all the distractions and uh, the way we used to instant gratification and things have to go right away here. And then suddenly there's somebody telling a story and you shouldn't be looking at your phone, shouldn't be fiddling with something, but you should lean in, as you say. I think that's a, that, that is a humongous challenge for, for people right now. It is, definitely is. And that's why maybe when you're looking at telling stories and you're looking at listening to stories, you really have an advantage. Because this story is the pill that takes people on a journey. And I've noticed times that I've started telling stories in different contexts. You start off saying something and people are looking at their phones and they start groaning. Oh, this person started talking. But after a few minutes hear that there's something going on and there's a story happening and we all subconsciously do want to hear this story you can see them getting more interested in putting down their phones and they become an audience and they join you along this journey because that's what a story is it's a journey from a to b it's a journey from manchester to london it's when you go on a train at manchester piccadilly and you end up in london houston three hours later that's what's happening and it's about who's stopping you along the way and who's trying to oppose you and who's trying to help you. We all love journeys. We all love listening. And sometimes we have to get there. How, how did you get into uh, storytelling? And, and maybe examples of uh, what kind of uh, groups of people you've been working with? Sure. There was a, there was a time in life when I felt that uh, communication was, was lacking. And a friend of mine suggested, he said, hey, there's this workshop in the Netherlands. You'd be interested in it. What's it about? Story, stories, stories. It's about stories. Okay, what's, what's stories? I didn't have much information, but it was cheap and it sounded interesting, so I went. And there was a story that I had, a personal experience, which I never shared. Or if I had in very in dribs and drabs and little bits, and it doesn't really matter what it was. But it was an experience which really shaped my life and it affected me deeply. And it had always been there, affecting me in different ways, and maybe I hadn't noticed it. And when I went to this monastery in the north of Holland in a windy January, cold, cold season, and we were there for a week and a half, only working on telling a story. And I ended up doing that, telling this very vulnerable and intimate part of me on stage to nuns and to people from the village and people who came. Suddenly I felt, wow. It's amazing. It's almost like a therapy. I'm a storyteller, and therefore I've been asked to perform. But I've told something which is unique and intimate about myself. As we said before, disguised a little bit as a story so I wasn't too vulnerable. And it made me feel so much better. And at the time, I was doing some teaching. And after I'd been to that workshop, I started using some of the techniques that I picked up, both in my teaching and 
in what I was telling. And I found that everything became so much better, so much easier for me to give over messages and information that I wanted to give when I thought of myself as a storyteller, not only a teacher, because I wasn't only giving information, I was taking them on a journey. And that's since then, and this was maybe four years ago, it's what I've tried to do. Every interaction that I have with people, I try and take them on a journey and use the stories. And I started working with the organization that gave over the workshop, Storytelling Center of Amsterdam, using stories, and they use stories in many different ways, as I mentioned, with the disadvantaged youth, with conflict resolution in different parts of the world, around the Mediterranean. And I found sincerely that once you open people up to the eyes of storytelling, it's something they have within them. And all it needs are a few pointers to lead them along a path of much better and more efficient and more genuine communication. And uh, I actually remember you told me you also worked with the Roma delegation. Sure, yes, definitely. One of the um, groups that I've been working for a few years now are Roma activists from around, the, from around Europe, from around the European Union. And this is an example of where storytelling can be useful in different contexts than the general idea of stories. Activism. These are young people, these are people who have a message to give over. In this particular case, the Roma community, a community which is a minority, has been marginalized around Europe, around the world. And every year, some delegates come to Brussels to speak to the European Parliament, or to speak to particular members of the Parliament or the European Union. And I was asked to help them and use storytelling as a way of encouraging them to be more open and better tellers of the information they want to give. And that's why I was there. And I've done that a few times with them and with different uh, groups because activism is something that needs storytelling. Public speakers need storytelling to keep their audience on board, to share what they truly feel, what they want to share. It's a powerful, powerful tool. I think we all need storytelling, both parents and, and, and partners, friends. You mentioned uh, co-workers. whole subject is so exciting for me because the whole premise of this podcast is that although we technology advances and AI is growing, automation, but I believe that human conversation is like the last bastion of humanity. The, the, I cannot imagine that within the foreseeable future, we actually can have an automated interlocutor, someone to talk to. So that conversation, and as you, as you mentioned, conversation needs storytelling in it to, to keep it vibrant and, and enthusiastic. And that conversation, I believe, is the essence of, of humanity. It is, and something which is, which is unique to us, and we've developed over such a long time. We should definitely use it more, as much as we can. Okay, and now I hope nobody, nobody minds. I, I'm going to ask for a, for a favor. You know my son, he's a lovely boy. He's uh, 10 years old. He loves telling stories, and he always has so many stories. He's not a great storyteller yet, but he loves telling stories. And he, he just every wake minute of the day, if he's with me, he wants to tell me a story. Are there any easy pointers that I can give him to to help him 
grow into a better storyteller. I think one of the best things to think about, and this, uh, I don't know if there are members of the audience who watch Friends, the TV series, or if you have, Matty, but there's, a, there's an interesting scene over there where Joey, who's an actor, where he gives tips of how he acts. And he stands there and he says, when he can't remember a line, he looks very pensive, very serious, looks up at the sky for 10 seconds, and s pretends as if he's smelling a bad smell. And then he remembers what he's trying to say and carries on. And that's maybe a silly story and more of an acting tip. But what's the idea behind that? The idea is that then you are in control of your audience. Why? Because you're making them wait a few seconds. And when you're on stage, in my own experience, when you're telling stories, a lot of the times at the beginning you get very scared and you think that any pause you make, the audience are going to think that, oh, I don't know what I'm trying to say. But the more you get confident in yourself, you realize that you're taking your audience on a journey. And if you take a pause, they'll go along this pause with you. And that would be my tip to any aspiring storyteller such as your son. That's very good. The only problem is his stories are way too long. Delivery is way of a stretch comparing to the content, you know? So I, I always say, come on, come on, T tell me more. Don't know what's, what's happening. Taking a pause and elevating the suspense is great, but not always. Of course. And that uh, links in what we said before. You have a responsibility of telling to take your audience on a journey, but there's a responsibility of listening. And that means that everything you give over has to be palatable to your listener. And maybe you can take him on that journey and show him that what he's telling has to be good to listen to. I don't know if that's a practical tip, but maybe. Okay, it, if you ever branch off uh, teaching 10-year-olds uh, how to tell stories, then I have a client, although he might not be 10 years old then. This is amazing. I'm sure a lot of listeners are very excited, as much excited about this topic as I am. If they want to learn more, where would you send them? Well, number one, if you want to get in contact with me, definitely through the podcast, through Mati, 100%. Secondly, there are many, many organizations, exciting ones around the world, that are rediscovering storytelling and using it in communication. Narrative 4, for example, Storytelling Center of Amsterdam. But finally... Listeners, firstly, thank you for listening to me, but I have a task for you. I want you to go to YouTube, type in Mr. Rogers. And for those of you who know or don't know, Mr. Rogers was a famous TV personality in the US, much loved by children. But there's something very exciting, which I find to be phenomenal, which he did. He was appearing in front of the Senate committee to expound upon the value of public television. And the way he told that, is in my eyes something amazing to look at and to see. And think of the messages that we've spoken about. Vulnerability, body language, the way of telling a story or not. See if you can look at public speakers or in specifically that video. See what you think. See how storytelling fits in your daily life. Amazing. Everybody got that? You go to YouTube, check Mr. Rogers testifying in front of the Senate uh, Commission. I actually did that homework already, and I agree. It's amazing, amazing speech. So make sure to make to take some time to watch that clip. If you want to get in touch with Ronnie or with me to talk about this podcast or anything else, hit me up on Twitter at Podcast Human. 
you can contact us via our Facebook page, which is Human Touch Podcast. Or you can send me an email, humantouchpodcast at iCloud.com. Ronnie, it was amazing having you. I hope you'll come back because, as I said in the beginning, there are way more stories and way more layers to Ronnie that you can guess. So I'm looking forward to talk more about ecology and many other topics, living in Sweden or traveling to Uganda. Uh, thank you very much. It was it was really amazing. And everybody else, make sure to leave me rating and review on iTunes. And we will continue this theme of human conversations uh, over next episodes. And make sure to like this one and have a for more. Thank you. Thank you, Matthew. All the best. Bye.